I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. It's actually a very short message, and it kind of goes off what I said this morning, and I want to kind of point out some things to you. Luke chapter 2, and you'll want to keep Luke chapter 2, and then we'll go back into Matthew chapter 2. But Luke chapter 2, why don't we stand as we read these words. This is the story of uh, Luke chapter 2. We read them this morning, 1 through 7. It's usually the words that, I, that we, we read before we open our gifts on Christmas Day. Because Christmas is not about us, it's about the child. And it's not about, the, as we said this morning, it's not about the, the wise men, the shepherds, it's about the child. It's not about Mary and Joseph, it's about the child. And here's the story of the child being born in, in, in Luke chapter 2. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. It says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. She, she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Talked about the names. I'm going to see if you guys can remember them. How many did we talk about? How many names did we talk about this morning? Eight. There's eight names if you were to take Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2, and you were to find the names that they called Christ, there would have been eight of them. And they're all from different sources, um, and we're going to look at those in just a second. I want, I want you to see that. But it, as Christmas comes along, Christmas means a lot to me. My brother's back here, and my mother passed away 13 years ago. I loved her to death, and she was just sweetheart to me, and, and I, I was a mama's boy, I'll tell you that. But her birthday was on December 23rd, and I always remember that how many times I wrote her a card that said, Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday. And I wish I could write her another, give her two cards. And um, I, always, I was always thankful that my birthday was in May, um, because I got gifts in May and at Christmas time. But I, I remember the things that she did, and I remember um, she would put so many icicles on the tree that you couldn't see the green part. Um, I don't know why she would do it. She'd decorate it. She'd have, all, she'd have thousands of ornaments. And by the time she was done, you couldn't see anything but the icicles. And I don't even know if they sell those anymore. But they were all over. The, they sell those anymore? Anybody got those on their tree? I'm not trying to make fun of you if you do that on your tree. But I'm telling you, we had a bunch. We bought them out when we had them. And then when we got married, we, um, we, we started trying to do that. And I said, Ann, I just want a simple tree. I don't want a lot of stuff on it. I just want a simple tree where I can at least see part of the tree. And I remember um, I was looking at the tree one day, and I thought, man, this is beautiful. And at the time, Larry, you're going to like this. We had cats. I don't like cats, okay? And I reached up to fix an ornament on that tree, and, and one of our cats had climbed into that tree, and when I grabbed that ornament, that cat slapped my hand, scared me to death. And I was like, what in the world? I look in, and he's hissing at me. And I, and, I, and I did some research real quick, and we figured out real quick with cats, if you have a cat and they climb up your tree, you know what you put on it? You put aluminum foil at the very bottom, they're scared to death of that, and they won't get up there. Never again did that cat climb up that tree. Maybe we never saw that cat again, we don't know. But I remember vivid things at Christmas time. But Christmas is, is good memories, but Christmas is not about our memories. It's about a child being born. And as we 
study this. We're going to look at these eight things real quick. I'm going to look at six of them real fast, and then we're going to get into the last two. And I just want to point out some things to you, so maybe you'll have some insight on this. I want you to put on your thinking caps. I want you to really think about what I'm saying and apply it in your life, okay? Sometimes when we, when we, when we look at the Christmas story, we think we know everything, right? For instance, if I were to ask the average person outside of a church, how many wise men were there? Most of them would say three. I don't think there were three. I think there were much more. There were three gifts given, and they scared Jerusalem when they came in. Three guys walking in won't probably scare you, but a whole entourage of them will. And then you say, well, where did the wise men or the kings or the astrologers, where did they see Christ? The misnomers, they're at the, they're at the manger. They're not at the manger. They came about two years later at a home. And so sometimes we think we know some things, and I just want you to rethink some stuff when we look at this. But there's six names that I brought up this morning, and, and they all have something in common. Here's, the, here's six of the names. We'll go after the last two in just a second. But the first name was Jesus. The second one was Christ the Lord. The next one was Son of the Highest. The next name was Son of God. The next one was Savior. The next, name was, next one was Emmanuel. All six of those have something in common. Let me read them one more time. Jesus Christ, um, Jesus, I'm sorry, Christ the Lord, Son of the Highest, Son of God, Savior, and Emmanuel. You know what they all have in common? Their names were all called, Jesus' name was all called in this story by angels. Now think about that. The angels knew him when he created them. Now watch the words again of the words that he gave them. The angels give him Jesus. They give him Christ the Lord because the angels, God, Christ was their Lord. He was the son of the highest. They knew personally who God was. He was the son of God, knew where he came from. And he was the Savior because he wasn't the Savior to the, to the angels, but he knew that he was going to be the Savior to the people. They knew that. And then this Emmanuel, when the angel said he is Emmanuel, God with us, they knew exactly who this child was. Those were the words that the angels used. But we're going to look at the other two, and I want you to see this. So let's turn over to Matthew. We're, all, we're going to be done real quick. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 2, and here comes the story. These are the only names that were given to Jesus by people. Let's see them. You'll see them as we go. In verse number one, verse number two, and this is, let me set this all up so you understand. This is the wise men coming on the scene. So what has already happened is God has already told um, um, Joseph that his wife was going to have, a, his wife-to-be was going to have a baby. It was going to be a virgin born, and he honored that. And then Mary comes along and the angels talk to him and tell her, you're going to have a child. You're the one that we've talked about. And she knows that. While they go to Bethlehem to pay taxes, praise God, to pay taxes. Don't you like that? They have this child in Bethlehem because Joseph was of the house of David. That's why they went to Bethlehem. But in the Old Testament, it said they were going to be in Bethlehem. So Joseph has a key, he's a key figure in this aspect when he goes there. 
They go there. They, of course, everybody knows the story. They knock on the door. They, they ask if there's any room. There's no room in the inn. And then they end up having their child in a stable or a barn, what we would call. And in most practicality is where they had it in Bethlehem, it was probably a cave because that's where they kept their animals. So here they have those and time progresses. And then all of a sudden, about two years later, these wise men show up at their house and they present unto him gifts. And that's where we get the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And just right after that, they are leaving to go to where? Egypt. But let's pick up the story when the wise men come on the scene. And let's look at these names really quick. It says in verse number one, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse three, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And look at verse number five. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Ju Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall become a governor, and shall, shall rule his people Israel. Now I want to point out a few things to it until I get to the very end. And then I'll have three little questions to ask you, and we'll put it all together. You've got to look at some of the names they were using. The, the first name, now, now there is a name that the, the wise men call him, King of the Jews, but it's just like almost a generic statement because they had no idea who he was. But then there's another name, and then you have the, the um, Herod says something. He calls the, him what? He calls him the word Christ. And, and go, go to it, I think it's found in verse number four. It says, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. He uses the word Christ. The word Christ means the anointed, the Messiah. But then, when the wise men, when the, when the high priests and the scribes respond to him, watch what they say. And when they, in verse number five, and then they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall become a what? Governor. Then it makes this little statement right after it. It says, that shall rule my people. Now you've got to understand what these words mean. The governor is not basically what we consider a governor, a state governor. A governor was somebody that was a leader. He was to rule, to command, to have authority over. But there's this little word in here, and it says this. Read it with me. It says at the very end, they shall rule all my people. Now, that little word rule means something. If you look it up in the Greek, it's an interesting word. It means this. It means, it, it means to feed, to tend to a flock. It means to keep sheep. It also means to govern them. You say, well, why are you making such a big deal about this? Because you've got to look at the terminology of the people that said it. The first, first guys come in and they say to Herod, where is this king of the Jews? Herod turns around and says, Where's Christ be, where, where will Christ be born? Then the, 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 the high priests and the scribes, they turn around and say, what, what do they call him? He's a governor. Why didn't they all use the same terminology? Why didn't they start with king of the Jews and just keep saying king of the Jews, king of the Jews, king of the Jews? 
There's a reason why. And let's look at this really quick. The three questions I have for you is this. The first question that I must ask you when it comes to Christ is, who is Christ to you? Who is Christ to you? Who is Christ to me? I love the angel's terms. The angel's terms is, he's the son of God. I think one of the ones that I like the most is probably he's the son of the highest. You can't get above him. We talked about that this morning. You ever had a problem on the phone? You say, can I speak to someone above you? Well, there's no one above him. And so here he says he's that. He says he's the Savior. And he's my Savior as we talked this morning. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jesus. He is Christ the Lord. And I love the added, the Lord. Did you notice that Herod did not say the Lord? He said Christ. Because when you add the Lord to it, it shows that you are under His Lordship and you have to follow what He tells you to do. Now we're going to put all this together in just a second. My question to you is who is Christ to you? I want the angel terms on my side. I don't have a problem if He's a governor. I don't have a problem if He's king of the Jews. I don't have a problem if He's Christ. But I want those, that angel's perspective of it. Who do I want this? The second question is, who do I want this Christ to be? Don't put him into your box. It's what most Christians do in America. Irritates me when I watch sporting events and all of a sudden they score a touchdown and all of a sudden it's all about Christ. And I know there's good Christian sports people out there, but most of them are missing church all the time, amen? And I love sports. But Christ is more than just pointing up to him. It's a submission to him and understanding who he is. My, my second question is this. Who do I want this Christ to be? Let him be who he is. We want to make Christ fit our life. We need to have, we need to let Christ be your life. Let's go back to these words and I want to show you why they said this. The first one came, and I love the aspect of the wise men. They don't care about anything. They come in, and they're not being politically correct. They're coming in, and they're asking the question, and they really don't care what Herod thinks. Okay? Let's just put this in perspective. Someone walked into Donald Trump's office and said, I'm the President of the United States. Do you think he would be kind of shocked about that? Absolutely. What was the question that the wise men asked him? Where is he that is born? What's the next word? Wait a minute. Herod was already in that position. It irritated Herod that they said that. That's why it says that these people were upset and all Jerusalem with them because you don't want to make the king mad. You don't. You don't want to make the person that's in charge mad. And these wise men, they just walk in. Where is he that's born king of the Jews? We have sought the star. We're coming to see it. What does he turn around and do? He's livid, he's upset, and he brings all the people that he knows will understand this. And he pulls them into the room. And he asks, watch this, he asks the scribes, and he asks the high priest, where is this Christ? Now Christ is a symbol of the Messiah. And he knew those scribes and Pharisees, the scribes and the high priests would know what that was. So he uses it, he doesn't use the term that he's mad about that term. He comes around and he asks these guys, he said, listen, 
where is this Christ that they're talking about? And when they respond, they respond back at him because the Jewish people wanted their Christ to come back as a king. And what does he turn around and say? Now, he's, now these guys, he, he gets these guys upset, and they turn around and they say this, and they say, they didn't turn around and say, well, Christ will be born here. What do they call him? They call him the governor, putting it back on Herod. And then they say that little statement about feeding the sheep. See, the, the, the scribes, they were wanting someone to come in in all their glory. And Jesus came in a manger. Now, aren't you glad he did? It's easier to talk to somebody born in a manger than in royalty. You want to try that? Go, go try to talk to some of these people in, in England that are royalty. Even the people in England can't talk to them. So you have all these different names. The wise men come in and irritate Herod. Herod comes over and asks the scribes, and he asks the high priest, where is this Christ, this Messiah? They turn around and say, he will be governor, and he shall rule his people. Sometimes we try to put God in our own box because sometimes we don't like what he tells us. Sometimes we... God tells us, hey, you need to go talk to this person. You need to go do this. Be kind one to another. We can say we're kind, but if we were really, if we were to have a video of our life throughout the week, how kind would you be? How about when you drive? How about when you go at the last minute to Walmart to buy that gift and someone cuts you off in the line, runs their cart over the back of your leg. How do you feel about that? You just want to give them a hug and give them tender kindness, amen? Go in front of me while I bandage my leg. No one thinks that. We get upset about things. We're not perfect, but we try to put God, Bernard, we try to put God in that box. And God can do anything. He created the world by just speaking it. He created man out of, out of dirt. Created women out of, a, out of a rib. And I want to tell you, if he can do that, he can do anything. The problem with this whole story is we all try to fit everything, and it goes back, go back to Herod's story. Where is this king of the Jews? Where is Christ? He's a governor. And what does he do when he finds out those wise men leave? One of the most wicked things a person could ever do. He's going to take them out. Can you imagine any country in the world today saying they're going to kill all the male children two years and under? It's amazing. Herod was a wicked man, but he did not want this king to come and reign. He felt a threat with it. He tried to put God in his box. And I wonder how far it got him. Can you imagine when he saw Christ, when he sees Christ? The Bible says every... every Tongues shall confess, and Herod's one of them. We talked about that this morning. The man that tried to wipe him out. So who is this Christ to you? He's more than just a baby in a manger. It's not about the other people. He's more than a governor in my life. He's the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. And my last question, my first question is, who is Christ to you? My second question, what do I want Christ to be? Do I just want him on Easter, Christmas? Do I just want him periodically? 
Have you ever noticed when a hurricane comes or a storm comes, everybody knows God? I mean, you see people that are the most carnal people praying to God to protect them in a storm. And I don't have a problem with that, but God wants to protect them without the storm. And my last question to you is this. Where is Christ in your life? Is He in your heart? Because everybody in this room knows the story of Christ. Some, of us have, some people have a head knowledge. We know that He was born on this earth. We know by the date, today's year, we know that. It's all centered around Him. And some of us, we have a head knowledge, but you know what we need to have? We need to have a heart knowledge. A head knowledge won't get you anywhere. A heart knowledge in your soul. And that's why that little baby was born. He was born to be your king. He was born to be your, him, him to be your Lord. He was born for Him to be your Savior. And as we said this morning, Emmanuel, God with us. If you're visiting with us, and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, can I tell you, Christ will walk with you, He'll be with you, He'll help you, He'll comfort you. Because the, the great thing, Bernard, about the comfort of, of the Holy Spirit is when I ask Christ in my heart, He comes in and He indwells me. And he's always there. Now how much he, I, I use Him is on me. But He comes in there, and that Holy Spirit, a lot of people don't talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit indwells me. And he tells me right and wrong. And when I do things wrong, I know it and I'm convicted by it. That's what a heart knowledge of Christ is. I look at the manger and I look, I look at the whole scene. And we sure do serve a great God. And he loves us so much that he came from heaven to go to earth. So that I could go from earth to heaven. What are you going to do with this Christ this year? Told the people before we left this morning, we say Merry Christmas around here. I love Christmas time. I love red and green. They're the same color to me. By the way, if you're visiting, I'm colorblind. But I want to tell you, God's done much more for us than we can ever imagine. I think it'll be very interesting, Kirby, when we get to heaven, we see how many times God protected us and we didn't even know He was there. It was all about this child. I love the story of Mary and Joseph. They were great people. But there's a, greater there's a greater person in this story, and that's the Savior, which was born. 